Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Beverly Hills, California, and the Forbes Travel Guide Luxury Summit at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. My next guest, I'm going to date myself now, we've known probably 25 or 30 years at least, least. um, from his days essentially being the champion, the visionary behind Ritz-Carlton. And then he went on to, to do other brands like Capella, and now he's free and clear to tell me the truth. Yes. Horst Schultze, how are you, sir? Great. Nice to be with you, Peter. How long were you at Ritz-Carlton? Uh, 19 years. From nearly, the, nearly 20, yeah. From the very beginning? Sure, before we had a hotel. That's right. And then yeah. your flagship hotel initially was Laguna Beach? Uh, well, well, actually, the flagship was, was Bucket in Atlanta. It was the first one. Right. So so we saw that the flagship and our headquarters were, was right next door. So obviously, it kind of evolved in the flagship. But then once you had Laguna as a resort, yeah. then you really expanded. It, it drove the recognition of the company dramatically. And Laguna was, had made huge impact in, in who we were and uh, the recognition that we got. You know, when you think of the definition of a five-star hotel, uh, it doesn't take you long to figure out that, you know, you guys were part of that definition from almost day one. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a, in a big way, I believe, yes. But what did you do? I, I mean, I used to kid you all the time about the credo cards yeah. and, about, <laughs> and, and lineup. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lineup, uh, people don't see this who are guests at the hotel, but if you go back of the house, every morning they had lineup. That's correct. What was lineup? By lineup, uh, we, we determined, Peter, we determined what would be the 20 things that would make us superior to the competition. And so we taught those 20 things the first day when somebody started to work in the company. And then we repeated one point every day before every shift. Uh, if it is so important, you have to repeat it. And we had it done in the card that we gave everybody. People ridiculed 
told me, is this a, is this a religion? Everybody laughed about it 30-some years ago. Well, if I get, if Today, I everybody does it. I, if I remember correctly, the credo card said, ladies and gentlemen, taking care of... Serving ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. Yeah. yes. Yes, that was the motto which, which developed when I... In fact, that was an essay I wrote when I was 16 years old in hotel school. We are ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen, meaning we can define ourselves as people of excellent at work or we sentence ourselves to be servants. So, and, and I took that with me. Uh, in fact, uh, at one vice president's meeting in Hyatt, I said we should use that as, when I worked there for 10 years, great company, I, we should use this as a motto. Everybody laughed at me and, and, and ridiculed it. When I started Ritz Carlton, I was That's in charge. Was. <laughs> so I put it in. The other thing I loved about the Credo card, I still have one, by the way. Wow, Somebody yeah. gave me one. Yeah. The, the, was, was the words, my pleasure and certainly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter, you have to understand, we in the hotel business, we hire Center uh, City kids who haven't seen elegance, and yet the next day after we hire them, they face the chairman of the board of the Bank of England. How do I make them elegant? By putting the right grooming, the right uniform, and say, don't use words like, hey, guys, folks, dude, and, and tell them what you, words you use. Say, don't say, okay, say, it's my pleasure, I'm happy to, and suddenly I have an elegant employee. Yeah, and you did that. And we did, sure, we did that. And we taught it very strong. We taught it nine feet. You look at the guest, no matter what you do, and you greet him and say, good morning, sir, or welcome, ma'am, or whatever, in an elegant way. And of course, it, it, it worked. You know, Peter, let's face it, it wasn't in one hotel we became the leader. We were in every hotel the leader, pretty much. But it must, you must shudder today when you walk into a hotel and you see kiosks. I, I <laughs> yes, but 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 it's acceptable. You have to understand. I think I think the future of the industry will very clearly be the commodity of sleeping, and more of the individual, very elegant, very first-class hotels. There'll be no middle ground. They, I don't think it's much middle ground. No. And you know, when you think about it, you see the proliferation of brands over the last fifteen, twenty years. You know, Marriott now has like thirty-two or thirty-three brands. Yeah. I always say. It's not enough to say you have 33 different brands. You have to define them. Yeah, and if you sure. can't define your brand, you can't justify your rate. Yeah, sure. So do you really see 33 brands sur surviving in, this, in the Marriott, Sheridan, yeah. or Starwood merger? No, they will not survive as such. There will be confusion about There will be elimination of some of them. But all they, they all will become decent. There's nothing wrong with that. Mind you, I'm not, I'm not complaining about it. I'm, I, go to, I check in sometimes late in the evening. I just need a bed because I check out next morning. I don't need something special for that. But they cannot and will not give real attention and real caring and real experience. And why should they? That's, they're a different hotel. It's a different business. Different business. We were speaking to Horst Schultze, the original founding member of the Ritz-Carlton. I don't want to say chain. I'll say brand. Yes. Is that better? Oh, much better. Thank and you. And the author of the book? Excellence Wins. And so I, I'm talking to a winner. Yeah. I, I kind of encompass in the book everything that we did to make the success of Ritz-Carlton and Capella. Okay, so here's my question. Yeah. Who's following that today? Who's following that? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, particularly, yes, there are a lot of independents. That's why independents are coming back. As luxury are, hotels. As luxury hotels, Exactly, and they're following it. They're looking and they're following it, and they can. They don't have to report. Most of them don't have to report to Wall Street in, in three months again, where the concentration becomes the money. In the independence, the concentration is the thing that makes the money you on see, that service. What, what always, this is what gets me. In the service industry, it could be the airlines, the cruise lines, the hotels. Anytime you're dealing with stock analysts, service suffers. Has to. It has to because the whole the whole concentration, the whole analysis. There is no other analysis. There's no analysis about quality and excellence. There's the only analysis, the bottom line. So, so what what has to give? Everything else has to give. And so, but the independents that come in, they, I, I know a number of them come to me and say, "We want to do hotel, no brand. We want to do something unique and special." That's why what the change of the industry will be, in my opinion, in the next. It will take 10, 15 years. Because that, that it doesn't change overnight. But, but, but then they can also justify their rate. And well, exactly. exactly. And they will be unique and they will be sought out. I, I'm, I'm talking to somebody and helping them to, to think through about the hotel. It's going to be exceptional. It's going to shock everybody. Mm. But, the, but the brands cannot follow up on that. And you know what? They would be silly if they would. Because do they your thing. They can't do it. They can't do it. Do your thing and become, be, the, be the first class commodity for sleeping. You know, they're, they're, sl they're sleeping factories, most of them. And that's the problem. That's the problem. When you take an experience and turn it into a commodity, your price better go down. Uh, well, it has to, yeah. 
Right. And so, so well, be, not only because you, you turn it down, but that's the, o- that's the only thing you compete with sooner or later. Because you're not, certainly not competing with excellence. You're not convincing the guests to come back. You're doing to convince the guests with two, two things, with price and with points, not with your product. The moment you start giving points, you have kind of admitted, I cannot convince you to come back because of what I'm doing. I have to give you something else so you come back. And when you were at Ritz-Carlton, you did not have a No, I did not. And you, in fact, fought you it. fought against it. And how, yeah. Yeah, you did. You wouldn't do it. That's right. But now Ritz-Carlton is part of Marriott, and now they have points. Yeah, sure. They're, well, they're working together and have to work together. Right, but if you were starting a hotel today, you would not do that. No, I would not. But then everybody else has done it. You see, the, the concentration have to be, once you, uh, every employee should understand they're there to convince the guests to want to come back because of the experience each individual gives in caring and so on. So I'm convincing you if you come back. You, you, if you walk into the hotel, I will convince you. I promise you, to want to come back because the experience that you have and not because of a few silly points that you're going to get. Now, here we are at the Forbes Travel Guide Luxury Summit. What, in your mind, in the year 2019 qualifies as a five-star hotel? Well, uh, it's all customer concentration. All customer concentration. I concentrate on what the customer wants. You know a lot the customer wants. They want a clean hotel. They want and and so on, so on, so on. We know all that. But then, what... It has to be added to it is the individualization and the personalization. That means I have to create that hotel for the market as a whole, exceptional, and then respond to the individual 100%. That qualifies to be a great hotel. And how do you do that if you're part of a chain? Well, you, you, well obviously you can't. Uh, and, and, you know, but let, let's face it, if, 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 if I, I would, we would play Emirates Carlton, it was my fault that you cannot do it because I, I was part of creating 600-room hotels. I cannot individualize to each customer in a 600-room hotel. But so what's the, what's the tipping point on the number of rooms? Well, in my opinion, it's 100. I mean, you know, if you are in a, in a city where you have individual, because I say 100 because then you don't have to go for groups. And, the, and the, the top market doesn't want groups. But if you're in New York, you can have more rooms, obviously. Right. And you can still do it. If you 200 rooms, have 200 rooms in New York and it, there's an average stay of three, you have a maximum of 60 checks, check-ins a day. You can handle that still. But if you have a group coming in of 180 or something, you cannot handle it anymore. Especially and if it's go, every day, yeah. And you go directly against the customer, that particular customer who, who, who wants to... To be, uh, uh, we we studied something. I have to just thought about. That's kind of funny. We studied about about exactly that in in a, in a focus group. And one guest said, "Well, I love these luxury hotels, the names you all know, but when I go there, I I go, I go in the elevator and I pushed in the corner by the guys that are there with the beer can collectors convention, <laughs> and I don't like it. You see, that's what it is." And there's nothing wrong. Because they've got to fill the rooms. Of course, they have to fill the rooms. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. It's misunderstood when I when I make comments about. They said I'm complaining about. I'm not. They they should be smart and say we are going to be the leader in that particular segment, but not beer hotels. I got it. Be it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the bottom line is you're saying above a hundred a hundred room hotel, except in maybe cities like New York, you're going to have a problem maintaining uh, standards. Absolutely. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and As a matter of introduction, uh, if, for those of you who weren't listening in the first hour, you know, all these years that we, we talk about ratings, uh, there was, you know, the, uh, the AAA and the mobile and, 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 of course, so many other guides. And, and the question used to be, okay, who are these people? I mean, how do they actually rate a hotel? How do they rate a resort? What's the criteria that they use? What can we actually determine from that that makes any sense? And I've always said this, you know, what makes a five-star hotel? If the hotel has got five stars because it has a golf course and I don't play golf, what makes that a five-star hotel for me? Well, the answer is, of course, it doesn't. I go back to the days of the original mobile five-star guide, and that has morphed now into Forbes. And joining me now, the CEO of Forbes Travel Guide, Philippe Boyan. Philippe, you heard my introduction. You've changed the metrics, haven't you? We have, Peter. Um, what we, uh, how do we inspect hotels? It's pretty simple. We have 900 rigorous standards, objective standards, if I may add, and 75% of these standards are based on service. That means we are all about how does so the guest... So it's not bricks and mortar, it's the service. Absolutely not. This is all about how do we make the guest feel in our hotels. Of course, 
while the facility is crucial and we look at design, we look at quality of furniture and hardware, our standards emphasize quality of service. And that's because your experience in a hotel, a restaurant, or a spa goes way beyond looks. Okay, so let's talk about that. I mean, when you talk about a majority of the criteria is based on service, then you put these hotels to a test. Right, absolutely. and they don't, and they don't know you're there, and they don't know you're there. They have absolutely no idea. So you make a reservation using a card that can't be traced back to you, right? Yes, with names that can't be traced back to you. Totally right, and then, I mean, it's got to be my worst nightmare as a hotelier when you guys are in there because you're asking for things that you know, and you time it. You know, like how fast is the room service? Were the eggs cold? Um, you know, did they give me the extra towels? I mean. All sorts of stuff. Totally. And the fact that we pay all our bills. So we pay the normal hotel rate. We pay for all our food, all our beverages, all the spa treatments. And that makes it very sure that our inspectors stay completely incognito. So basically, I should get a job with you. <laughs> you should try, Peter. <laughs> but you know what? If I've got how many, how many different areas are they going to look at? Let's say, are they going to stay, what, two or three nights? They're staying two nights, three days. Okay, so in, in every that two-night, three-day period, they have a checklist that you give them. 900 standards. And they got to go standards. through all 900. Through all 900. Now, if I'm a guest, let me be devil's advocate. If I'm a guest staying at a hotel, right, and I'm going through 900 li- uh, items on a list, at a certain point, they're going to say, who's that weird guy in room 407? Nope, no, because these inspectors will not show you anywhere they are in the hotel that they're filling out the list. Okay. Absolutely not. So this is why our inspectors are special people, right? They're very smart. They remember and they write very well because all these standards and these reports need to be written out in an amazing amount of detail. So the hotel, when they get their report afterwards, know absolutely what went right, what went wrong, why did it go wrong, and what was the feeling of the guest in this hotel, right? So that is the most important for us. But 900 standards, it takes a normal inspector a good 12 hours to fill out an inspection report. So for anybody, I get asked the question all the time, we want to join you, we want to be a hotel inspector because, of course, there's a lot of people that want to go to the best hotels they want to in go the on world. Vacation, but but on, when I tell them it's going to be 12 hours of hard work to fill out this report in, in incredible detail, usually 90% says, all right, I get it. Um, not today. <laughs> okay, so... Is there a passing grade of the 900? How many do you have to pass? Well, it's very simple. If you want five star, you have to score 90%. Four star, 80%, and recommended 70%. And Forbes ratings cannot be bought. A lot of people, there is a pay-to-play perception. You know what? I remember, remember, and this has nothing to do with anything to do with our current political situation, but I remember when Donald Trump was running around with a guy named Joe Chinkway, Mm-hmm. And they were offering, you know, the, the, these these big star uh, awards, and I said, "How does somebody get one?" Then I found out you bought it, you paid for it. Yeah, well, that's not the that is absolutely impossible with Forbes Travel Guide. You can buy. We have also support services that we offer hotels. So we have an incredible training team of passionate professional people that train not only in hotels, but they also train restaurants, they train spas, they train healthcare, they train care homes, et cetera, et cetera. So you can buy those services because we have also a coaching function to fulfill for the restaurants, for the hotels and restaurants and spas. So if anybody wants to get better and requires our coaching services, we can sell them training, we can sell them additional quality assessments, et cetera. It does never buy them the five stars. Your rating you have to earn it and you have to score 90 percent to get to five stars so here at the forbes travel guide luxury summit how many five-star hotels are represented last year we had 199 five-star hotels that's global worldwide globally and this year we added 35 obviously some dropped out and we now have a total of 210 five-star hotels globally and that tells you how difficult it is It is amazingly difficult to get to five stars. This year we have a big announcement because the Peninsula Hotel Group is the first group in 61 years that achieved five-star rating for all their hotels worldwide. So that is an absolute amazing achievement. And, you know, that brings up a very interesting point. People are always asking me, what's my favorite airline or my favorite hotel chain? And I say to them for the airline, I don't have a favorite airline. I can give you my favorite airline by route. I can give you my favorite hotel by city. 
But if you are actually awarding five stars to only one hotel chain, which is system-wide for them, that's quite an achievement. It is quite an achievement, but on the other hand, you also have to no, you also have to mention that Four Seasons, for example, that has a lot more hotels than Peninsula, has the biggest amount of five-star hotels, which is thirty-six worldwide. Right, but not not all of their hotels. Not all, because Four Seasons has over a hundred hotels, so that is yeah. incredibly difficult to get there. Right? Yeah, amazing. So, for one hotel chain, right? How many hotels in Peninsula? Ten. Ten. <clears throat> They are able to manage the product. So it's a perfect 10, um, and obviously they did a big celebration with their staff. And of for course. five stars... Well, it's great they, for employee morale. They created five days for the staff where they gave them complimentary spa treatments, complimentary <laughs> stays in their hotels. I mean, totally amazing. So in Peninsula... You did such I a can good job, you get to stay here. But I can yeah. tell you that every member of staff knows that they achieved five-star sure. Forbes, and they know how important their role is and in the total guest experience. Should there be a rapid change in cabin pressure, oxygen masks will automatically drop from the compartment above your seat, free of charge. And to start the flow of oxygen, pay your flight attendant $75.63. Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. My next guest has a particular distinction, other than the fact that we've known each other for about 30 years. Uh, he's laughing, but it's true. What's amazing is that his hotel isn't one, just one hotel. It's a number of hotels, I believe 10. You know the hotel. It's the Peninsula. It's the first time in the history of Forbes that every one of his hotels has gotten a five-star designation. His name is Peter Bohr, the Chief Operating Officer of Peninsula Hotels. Peter, welcome. Thank you very much, Peter. And it's always a pleasure to meet I, you. I mean, it's 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 one thing if you if one of your hotels you know wins five stars, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because people are always asking me, you know, like, what's your favorite airline? I go, well, I don't have a favorite airline. Give me the route, and I'll tell you my favorite airline on that route. What's your favorite hotel? Well, I don't really have a favorite hotel, but give me the city, and I'll tell you my favorite hotel in that city. So to hear that you guys have won every one of your hotels is, is quite a remarkable achievement. It's very kind of you to say so, and, of course, we're very honored to have received this accolade. Uh, it's, I believe, testimony to about 8,000 people around the world working every single day very hard, with dedication and most importantly to me with passion because good service of course you need a brain but comes from the heart we're blessed that our company started over 90 years ago in the far east and as a family-owned family-run company that is correct which it still is today and which it still is today and the Far East, in my opinion, because of its culture, hospitality is really part of the culture. So well, you know, I remember when I first went to Bangkok and when I first went to Hong Kong. And there's an old line from Groucho Marx, our famous comedian, saying, I would right. never join a club that would have me as a member. Right. <laughs> so when I was checking into the hotel, and it was your hotel uh, before you built the tower. Right. right? And in Hong Kong. And I was just checking and I was going, there's something wrong. They must be meeting somebody else named Greenberg. Why are they being so nice to me? And then I realized it had nothing to do with me. It has to do with the culture. Correct. And that I, I, the, the good news was I had a great time. The bad news was I got so spoiled. I was never happy anywhere else because I, it was like, really? They're doing this for me? And then, no, idiot, Greenberg. They do this for everybody. You just haven't experienced that, right? We, we're trying to, you know, f form a very emotional connection between us and our clients because, to me, it's not just about service delivery. It's not just about having a big chandelier in the lobby, but it's really to get a little bit deeper into people's lives, uh, especially in today's world where we're all hurried. Uh, I believe that it is the greatest luxury to feel as a person and to feel a deep emotional connection to a brand. Well, that's the key that I always talk about. When you try to define this um, almost impossible word to define luxury, right? And you take a look at where the hotel business is these days, you know, a one-star hotel can define its brand. A five-star hotel can define its brand. The three-star hotels can't. And my prediction is you may not see a whole lot of hotels left in the middle anymore.
because if you can't define your brand, you can't justify your rate. And you can't actually provide an experience that people are going to have, as you say, an emotional connection. So with all due respect, and I'm not trying to single out a single brand, but I would guarantee you that I wouldn't find many people emotionally excited to stay at the Sheridan in Cleveland. I'm just a guess. So why do they stay at the Sheridan in Cleveland? Nothing against the Sheridan. It's because either A, it's their company travel policy, B, they're getting points, or C, that particular hotel is attached at the hip to a convention center where they happen to be going to a convention. But nobody gets up in the morning that I know going, oh, my God, I'm going to the Sheridan in Cleveland. They don't do it. If somebody told me tomorrow I was going to the peninsula of Hong Kong, I'd actually, I know you're going to laugh at it, I would actually get excited. Well, one of the reasons I've stayed there before, so I, I sort of know what to expect. Your challenge as a five-star winner is you have to maintain that expectation. Correct. To me, you know, once you're sort of trying to work your way to the top, you have to be even more careful because there's only one way to go that's down. And that's clearly not the intention we're having. So yeah, you I think have to maintain it. you have to maintain it. We are very, very fortunate uh, that in our company, this passion and this dedication starts at the very top with our chairman, Sir Michael Kaduri, who himself is the most passionate and dedicated hotel, hotel owner you could wish for. And hence, his attitude, his commitment to all of us then sort of radiates down towards everybody in the company. I remember the days he used to fly me in his helicopter over the harbor there in Hong Kong. Crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. When we last left off, Peter, I wanted to talk about high-tech versus high-touch. Many years ago here in Los Angeles, in fact, 25 years ago, we had the earthquake. And my house was destroyed in the earthquake, had to be bulldozed. And now I had an opportunity, which I hadn't planned on, to rebuild my house from scratch. And when the architect sat with me, I'd never had an architect before, and the builder, I'd never had a builder before, and they said, what would you like in your house? I said, I have no idea. And they said, well, why don't you just sort of like outline for us what you'd like in each room? So I said, okay, let's start in the bathroom. I want the television in the bath like the Peninsula Hotel. And then, oh, I want uh, an internet phone system like the Peninsula Hotel. I started listing all the stuff I'd experienced at the Peninsula Hotel, including the bathtubs. I mean, everything, right? <laughs> I mean, and when you think about it, what are people really doing when they're staying in your hotels? They're test driving their own experience at home, right? Which is, what, is why so many things get incorporated from hotels now, because people have had that experience. Uh, thanks for the compliment. Um, but by the way, I'm going to tell you how it happened on the phone. I was checking into the peninsula in Shanghai, and they walked me to the room, a beautiful room, your general manager at the time, Joseph Chong, who's amazing. And I walk into the room, and three things happened, right? I saw the bathtub with the TV. went, that was cool. I had seen it before in Hong Kong, but it's like, nice to see it again. The second thing I saw were the bathrobes and the towels, especially the towels. And I said to, to Joseph, okay, I'm going to a store. I'm going to buy three large suitcases, and I bought eight of your towels. Why? What's the letter on the towel? <laughs> it's B. I'm, I had to do it. Because they're not towels. A family of five can fit in them. It's great. And then, of course, came the VOIP. Right. That was brilliant. What you guys did in that hotel, and you now do it system-wide. Right. But what you guys did in that hotel is you figured out what are the negative touch points in a hotel, right? What do people really get angry about, right? Well, they get angry about the minibar, and they get angry about being nickeled and dimed. And, of course, every one of your hotels is in an international gateway city. They get angry about... Phone calls that are outrageously expensive, right? Correct. So you figured out, okay, VOIP, we'll use the internet, we'll make all phone calls free. Now, here's the funny thing. I'm sitting there, oh, my God, I've died and gone to heaven. I can call everybody I know in the world, right? The reality is I didn't. <laughs> I actually called maybe three people. But the notion that I could created that connection that you're looking for. I'm sure that other guests are the same way. Nobody sits in their room barricaded there for hours calling everybody on their Rolodex. Yeah. But the point is, the, the true definition of luxury is when you get to keep your options. And that's what a lot of the experience in your hotels is about. Yeah, um, and to me, you know, the biggest luxury is to have a choice. Right, yeah. And, yeah. and to me, that's part of that choice. Uh, we've now expanded that, uh, what we call the ELV system, which, by the way, did we develop in-house, and it's led by our chairman. So uh, we've now had it in 11 languages. So even, you know, the instruction to how they operate an espresso machine comes out in Russian or French or German or Spanish. So we're trying to make the room very user-friendly. Of course, design is important, but functionality I is no much more important. I no longer have to crawl important. around looking for an outlet. No, you don't. That's and there are multiple plugs that, yeah. you know, so you can just but plug you it in. It's those little things that drive people nuts that yes. you figured out. 
especially after a long flight. Yeah. You don't want to have 20 minutes introduction to your room. You just want to get on with it. Exactly. And so we're always uh, doing that. We have a laboratory in Hong Kong where we build test rooms. And currently we have three hotels under construction, one in London, in Istanbul, and in Yangon. And next time you come to Hong Kong, I'll take you to that laboratory. I want to go. And you can see what we're doing in the now, future. Without revealing proprietary information, what's the one thing you're working on now that's going to blow me away? Well, I believe it's that fine line between what you just said, high tech and high touch. Because to me, tech is obviously leading the entire world, but the touch part is incredibly important. So we're working on a what I would call quite revolutionary way of checking people in and out. I will tell you this. Anytime a hotel tells you we've installed six more kiosks in the lobby, I don't check in. Because that, to me, is not progress. That's no. where technology takes precedence over the conversation. C correct. You still want to preserve the conversation. Yes, and you want to look somebody in the eyes and feel that this person is genuinely interested in your well-being. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I was at the airport the other day. I actually had a ticket. My God, a ticket. And I said, guys, I need to change my ticket. And they had eight people behind the counter. They said, oh, we're only here to handle kiosk problems. I said... You see those kiosks over there? They are the problem. <laughs> right. You don't know how to have a conversation. Yeah. Right. So part of your training, part of I would assume that part of the reason why you're going to maintain this, these, this, this designation from Forbes is to continue the conversation. Correct. And to me, again, in today's world, that's a great luxury to have a decent, well-educated confirmation where you look a colleague of mine in the eye and feel I'm in competent hands and this person's going to take care of me. Yeah, because at the end of the day, people want their blankie. You know, they just want to. Yes. They want to be that it's going to be okay. Of course. Because when you're running a, a hotel that is in an international gateway city, you can assume a couple of things. By the time that person gets to your front desk, they've been so beaten up by the airlines, right? That if you're just nice to them, they marry you. Correct. And you see, everybody that comes through the door is in a different frame of mind. Yeah. Everybody that comes through the door has a different expectation. And I always hope that we meet about 80% of those and then we're doing okay. Well, listen, if you met 80% of those in the, in the in the baseball leagues, you'd be in the you'd be in the All-Star game and if you did that for a, for a career, you'd be in the hall you'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, 80% is not bad. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. <laughs> Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? This is the, the, the convening, if you will, of all the five-star hotels. Not easy to get one. Uh, uh, when you think of how many thousands of hotels there are in the world, there are only about 215 of them that have that designation. Uh, very difficult to get. If you were listening to the show earlier, you, you understood the metrics of how they do the inspections, how they do them basically incognito, really incognito. And uh, joining me now is someone who, who has that distinction now as a five-star hotel and resort, Sheila Johnson, the CEO of Salamander Hotels. And if you don't know the name Sheila Johnson, Johnson from the hotel business, you might know her because she was the co-founder of BET. And and then I just have to ask the question, what did you know about the hotel business before you started a hotel? I knew absolutely nothing. And the same when we started BET, we knew absolutely <laughs> nothing about the cable industry. But I guess when you say you knew absolutely nothing about the hotel business, you did know about the hotel business because you've been a guest at so many. You That's brought right. that knowledge and experience to the table. That's right. But you, uh, what I want to just back up a little bit, you know, I had three acts in life. And the reason why I really enjoyed the hotel business. My first act of life was a concert violinist. So I traveled all over the world. And more importantly, I, I did a lot of concerts in Europe. And So you I were staying at a lot of hotels. Wonderful hotels. And that's where it really piqued my interest about what are the fine hotels in the Although world. I would guess you knew what worked and you also at that point knew what didn't work. Exactly. And so then from being a concert violinist and then uh, being a co-founder of Black Entertainment television, which is also the entertainment business, Right. Um, you know, I learned a lot. So these were all stepping stones, then going into the ho uh, hospitality business. All I needed to do, just like we did with black entertainment television, is we hire the best in the business to teach us how to run. Now, if truth be told, I'm like every other guy you know. We always had a dream of having our own restaurant, and then we got smart about it mm -hmm. because we realized the failure rate, and what do I know about restaurants, right? Hotel was a dream of yours? 
It was, and it still is. <laughs> you know, I, I bought 340 acres of Pamela Harriman's uh, property back in Middleburg, Virginia. And as soon as I walked up there, I said, I'm going to build a hotel here. But it wasn't just that decision. The town of Middleburg at that point was really in, almost in bankruptcy. Right. And they really needed people to come into that town. They needed infrastructure. They needed an infrastructure, and it was falling. Their underground infrastructure was falling apart. But by me building a resort there. I was able to build a water sewage treatment plant, which supports the town, and then to put up this wonderful resort. And what's happening, because the resort's there, we now have restaurants coming in. We have uh, other small retail shops, bookstores. Housing. Housing. The, the place is coming alive, and it's because of the resort. And we call the resort Middleburg's living room. Well, when you think about it, there's one thing about buying a hotel you just did it from scratch. Did it from scratch, from the ground up, did all the design work. and then What's did- the one thing when you were doing the design work, you said, okay, every guest room has got to have this, and conversely, I do not want this in my guest room. Yeah, you do that from traveling all over yeah. the world, and you're staying in some of the best, and you see what works and what doesn't work. You know, the frustrating thing is to be able to bring a suitcase in, and you don't know where to put the suitcase. There's not enough room. There's not enough drawers to unpack your suitcase. And you see a lot of that, especially in some hotels in New York, and you hope they have storage down there to take your suitcase. Well, I judge a room by the bathroom. because, And, and by the way, this comes to me from all my women friends. There's mm-hmm. either, tell me if I'm right, either not enough light for you to put on your makeup or let's be honest not enough shelf space for all the crap you guys bring with you wait a minute now now come on you know i'm right i mean and but if you see a hotel bathroom that works chances are the rest of the hotel works well some of the problems because i'm so short i wish they would look at the shelving when they're putting the sinks in and not make it so high because sometimes i need a stool just to see myself in the mirror so i have to put risers in yeah okay yeah but i mean when you were looking at the rooms uh, on that kind of design what did you say i have to have this in the room what was yeah what we do is we build out a room and we build the bathroom. We build out the whole facility. Then we go in and we almost kind of live in it to see what's working and what doesn't work. And that is very important. And then we make sure we make changes before we build the resort. I've always believed that no hotel room designer should ever be paid for their work unless they've been forced to spend two nights in it. Yeah. Right? I I, I agree. I agree. But we had one of the best designers. Thomas Pheasant came in and did our rooms. Um, And I, I knew exactly what I wanted. See, I had been living and breathing the whole construction piece because, you know, it took me 10 years to get that resort up. Yeah. 10 years. So I lived, I was out here in the, on the West Coast with WATG, and they're the ones that did all the design work for me. And we, that took almost two years to get all the design the way I wanted it. I designed all the sheets. Hey, I let, brought, let's stop right there. Talk to me about thread count. Well, you want a 600 thread crowd. <laughs> but you've also got to make sure that the sheets you design has got to go through the laundry and make sure it doesn't fall apart. Exactly. So, All right. So we got the sheets. What yeah. else? Uh, the towels, everything, because I wanted this equestrian theme. Um, I'm part owner of Mistral uh, Bath Products, so we got Mistral Products. What a coincidence. Our... <laughs> okay, keep going. And they're out of San Diego. Um, I just knew exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, all the photography that's in the rooms is my photography. Wow. Yeah, so I, I shoot everything. And the violin music that's playing is? Well, it's not mine. Okay. Just double checking. Yeah, no. Okay. I do have concerts. Even I, better. Yeah. At the hotel? I'm, at the hotel. We bring in live music. We do jazz. We do, um, we've actually done a little country western. We also have string quartets. We have solo violinists that come in there. But more importantly, we also have a Middleburg Film Festival. And you got it right there. It's right there. Now, let's go back to the to the planning stages for a second. Mm-hmm. Because you're not doing it by buying an existing property. As I said before, you're building from scratch. So now you got to go through permits. you got to go through zoning. you got to go through environmental responsibility. you got to go through community impact. All those different things. That's why it took 10 years. <laughs> it was a very long 10 years. But also, it was a case where the community really didn't want the resort. And I had to do a most incredible selling job. To we're talking outreach. We're talking major outreach where they had to understand the economic impact that it was going to make. Now, there were people that have been living there forever, and they go, we don't want people in our community. I'm like, yeah, and your taxes are going through the roof, and you don't have good water coming in, and you don't have businesses. You've got, we got to do something. 
And so now they really understand it, and it's all worked out. Well, you know what it gets down to, and when we come back we'll talk about this, with anything that you do, you got to be able to let people connect the dots. It's right. no different than you know that little card that's on your pillow saying, help us save the environment by not washing your towel. If you don't let people know where that money is going and how that really impacts the amount of detergent you have to use to wash that towel, they can't connect the dots. And you were talking about this before, about connecting the dots. You have to be able to educate people about the power and perhaps even the transformative power of, of travel. You know, we, we talk about this on the show all the time. It's the number one ish, industry in the world. It's one out of every 11 jobs. And even more importantly, which speaks to your outreach, it's one out of every five new jobs. Right. Um, and, and there are 93 countries right now that depend entirely for their GDP on travel and tourism. That's and the right. And while the industry average is about, or the international average is about 11%, there are some communities that's 40. I mean, that's, that's all they get is travel and tourism. That's right. So the argument that you made, how many rooms at the hotel? We have 168. All right. So it's not a huge, huge hotel, but it's manageable. Yeah. And we employ close to 400 people. All right. Yeah. And both full and part time. Right. But well, that's just that, that doesn't count your vendors. Oh, no. No. So no. that's just people on, on staff. Right. So when you talk about infrastructure um, in a community that didn't have this before, right? You you, pa- right. you you found a place that just didn't have it. It gets back to the whole concept of the movie Field of Dreams. If we build it, they will come. Are they coming? They are coming. And the, the reason why they're coming, we are so strategically located. I did a feasibility study. I mean, I would have never well, you had to. It. You had to. You know, I mean, we're 35 minutes from Dulles Airport, and we're about an, if there's no traffic, you can get there in 50 minutes from Washington, D.C. With traffic, is about an hour and 20. Okay. But it's So still, it's a doable weekend place. It's a very doable weekend, and we're getting people from Capitol Hill. You would be surprised. I mean, we're getting heads of state. We... I, you know, I can't divulge everyone that comes, but it is amazing who shows up there. Yeah. I mean, I, I could be there and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this person's here. And they come not just once, but they come several times. And they said it's easier to just come here than getting on a plane and going somewhere else. So we're in such a great location. And for corporate groups, it's a perfect place to have retreats. It, it's just a perfect location. So here we are at the Forbes Luxury Summit. Mm-hmm. What does a five-star de- designation mean to you? A dream come true. It's because we have worked so hard. And from the moment I put a shovel in the ground, I told my president of my company, Prem Devadas, I said, we're going to be Forbes five-star. That is our goal. And it's important that we keep that goal right there. And it was just a matter, we knew what we had to do. It was a lot of training because we had a lot of young people either coming first out of high job, school first their entry jobs and to teach them basically from setting a table correctly to greeting the guest and it's training it's training every day and doing it in such a way that they want to still encourage them to keep going you know you you employ people and you lose about 40% in the very beginning but then there's more that come in that really want to do the job. Well, that brings up another point. You, know, you go to a restaurant in Italy, there's a 90% chance that your waiter, it's not just his job, it's his profession. Yes. It's something that he not, not only does, it's something he loves to do, and this is what he wants to do. Yes. The travel and tourism industry in the United States is a different ball. It's game. totally different. And I just wish that people would understand that being a waiter is great. Being a concierge is great. Being a general manager is terrific. I mean, we are literally building um, careers for these people. And what is great about our company, usually some of them, even uh, the bellmen that are at the door, if they're really great at what they do and they remember people's names and, and they're just so polished, we then take them to one of our other properties. And, and they train everyone else. And they else. train everyone else. So they really are growing. They're growing in their careers, and I care about every single one of them. Retention is a big issue, though. Yes. Right? That's not just your problem. That's an industry problem. Yeah, it's an industry problem, and you, and I hate to say this, but with millennials, they just don't stay in their jobs. <laughs> they really don't. They'll stay maybe average two, three years, and then they're looking to the next job. Yeah. Um, and that's disturbing because I really want to help well, them build. You know what's interesting about that? And I, by the way, I see this a lot. Yeah. I think with millennials, we're dealing with a generation that has mobility built into their culture. They really do. My parents didn't. Your parents didn't. Mm-mm. When I was growing up, probably not. But now, of course, we think nothing of not just temporary vacations. 
we think of just like I'll live there for a year, I'll live here for a year. Right. Right? They're all they're not just like ski bunnies working in Colorado for the winter. It's like happening around around yeah. the country. And that's what you're fighting against. Yeah. And so often I'll sit and talk with them. I said, you know, what does your journey look like here? They said, well, I really love it here. And I'm, you know, and then they leave. And then they leave. And it just kind of breaks my heart. You know, you put a lot into them and helping them. And then they get a job somewhere else. Maybe it's paying $2 more. I don't know. Yeah, but I'm not sure if it's driven by rate as more it's driven by they want a different experience. Uh, they're, they're sampling. Yeah. They're sampling. But that makes your job tougher because that means the amount of money that you put in to, to train somebody has to be now doubled because you've got to retrain somebody else. But sometimes if they're still staying within the company, yeah, you know, we have another hotel in uh, Charleston that just opened a couple of weeks ago, and we have several of our employees. They wanted to live in Charleston, so we moved them to that hotel. But at least they're still in my company, and that's what I love. Exactly. So... Now that you've got this designation, define for me, if you can, what does five-star mean for the guests? How do, you, how do you take that designation and mandate it and manifest it? Well, we really try to make sure our employees know, they all now know that we're five-star. I want to continue the training. I'm going to keep watching them. Before our guests, it's, this has been really interesting. Some of them said, we already thought you had the five-star. We <laughs> love coming here. That's why we keep coming back. Others are saying, wow, we, we thought you had the five-star, but now that you do have it, I'm sort of holding my breath. And if we make one little mistake, they're saying, that's not five-star service. <laughs> but so, you know, if, if, you, if you go back and think about it, and I, I'm not just applying this to the old mobile guides, which is where this mm-hmm. came from, or the, or the AAA. I, always, I often used to argue that what does a five-star or five-diamond resort mean? Well, it certainly means you can – it's great for employee morale, right? It also allows you to justify the rate. Right. But beyond that – It's got, the service. Yeah. It is the service. And with the generation of – especially the younger generations coming in, they want experience. They want to experience something that's different, but yet they want to be casual. They want good food. Yeah, the dress code's gone now, isn't it? It's gone out the window completely. (laughs) I Um, remember going to the Broadmoor when I was a correspondent for Newsweek back in 1973, and as I was being walked to my room by the bellman, being told that I had to have a jacket and tie to leave my room. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that, that was those were the days, right? Yeah. The Ritz Carlton Laguna when they all opened up that hotel, you know, wingtips on the beach. Really? <laughs> well, I I have to tell you, there was a elderly couple that um, were there one weekend, and then the woman called me on the Monday, and she says, "I'm never coming back to your hotel." And I said, "Why?" She says, "You need a dress code." I have never seen people dress like that in such a classy place in all my life. And what did you say to her? I said. You have to understand, this is a younger generation. They want to be comfortable. They want to come there. They, they're in such high-powered jobs, and they just want to come and relax. But I'll make you a bet. When you and I were growing up, mm-hmm. if you were really good, your parents would take you out to dinner, and, and you had to dress dressed up. up. Yes. You did. But you remember that from airlines, too. When, oh. you, were tr- when you were on an airplane, I still dress up you were dressed. I still, I still dress up to fly. I mean, in the way people come on airlines now. Yeah. You, oh, please. Oh, God. I know. Now, the people come on airlines now like they're in the witness relocation program. Yeah. I mean, or, or maybe fugitives from justice or both. Right. I know. I know. But you don't have a dress code. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't because if we did, I'm not sure we would fill those rooms <laughs> like we do. Right. But I have to say, you know, for weddings and everything, we do see incredible. Of course. Yeah, I mean. Well, you got one shot out of the, you have one shot out of the gate to wear a dress you'll never wear again for the rest of your yeah. life. What a, what a scam. Yeah, so so we have a mixed bag of everything. Yeah. To be very honest with you, the only thing I don't like is when people are coming from the pool, and I've seen this a few times, and they come walking through my living room in a bikini. And you say to them, I said, um, I, you really should cover up. We we <laughs> have some young people here, young kids. <laughs> And I have to, had to speak to a couple of people about that because it was just totally inappropriate. Although every once in a while there are some things like a five-star bikini. No. 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 <laughs> Never. The charge for looking at this pamphlet is $3. The charge for looking at this pamphlet and putting it back quickly is $4. 
joining me now, an old friend of mine. We go back many, many years. He's the vice president of hotel operations at the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Paul Berry, how are you, sir? Hi, Peter. Good Good afternoon. Thank you. Let me go back to to my original days in Las Vegas, covering it as a correspondent for Newsweek. Yeah. Everybody tries to define luxury. You know, it's it's it's, it's almost an uh, inevitably disappointing six letter word because <laughs> nobody can give you an adequate definition. Be not because it changes all the time, but because it is by definition different right. for everybody. But the one thing I could tell you, going back you know forty years when I was first covering Las Vegas for, for Newsweek, there were no luxury hotels. They were they were large casinos with rooms. Right. That's I mean, exactly that's right. really what it was. It's true. And they that, now they're 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 sort of like nod to, uh, to luxury were their entertainers, right? right? And where you you'd sit in those red red banquette lounge, <laughs> those half moon lounges. That's right. That's and right. and they would have a dinner show with really bad, you know, uh, it would be a roast beef and prime rib, prime yeah. rib you know. <laughs> and and they'd do a dinner show at eight o'clock that's and right. that was it. You and know, that was it. And and the unions were there, man, they were in and out in forty minutes Correct. and one encore, see a curtain drops, we're done, right? <laughs> Am I right? Totally true. That's absolutely right. And then one by one, some of the some of the casinos realized maybe there's not life after gaming. In fact, in those days, they didn't call it gaming. It was gambling. Gambling. But then they said, well, wait a minute. How do we attract somebody who's got a, a, a better demo? Right. Somebody who's who who is not just going to spend money at the tables, but he's going to spend money with the sommelier. Correct. Who's going to spend money at, at, a, at a, I hate to use the words because I think it's overused, a fine dining experience, right? Yep. And next thing you know, certain hotels either created those venues within the hotels or hotels became that in and of themselves. Correct. Aria was one of those hotels. It was. It, it, it's it's actually interesting. The Being in Las Vegas for 30 years, I, I you're absolutely spot on with what you said, and we quickly. Well, let's go back to the Bellagio because yeah, the Bellagio was 1998. Eight. Yeah, that's right. And I remember walking through there with Steve Wynn. He was holding onto my arm because you know we had a sight problem. Yep. Um, but I was there with him four or three years earlier when they blew up the dunes. Right. Which is where the Bellagio sits now. That's right. Right? And, in fact, when he blew up the dunes, I was standing next to Siegfried and Roy. They put they pushed the plunger. Correct. Remember that? Oh, yeah, from the pirate ship. From the pirate ship. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, <laughs> so, Only in Vegas. Right. But in those days, before the Bellagio, right, mm-hmm. you could have stunts, which yeah. is what they did, right, right. And, and, and attractions. Yep. But the Bellagio could arguably be called, at that point, the first mass yeah. luxury hotel. I would agree with that. and. And that was really when, when we were opening Bellagio, we brought in the chefs that people are, oh, you, you're going to bring in, in celebrity chefs into Las Vegas or, or, or true gourmet fine dining. And retail came and the hotel rooms were very, very nice. And yeah. it, it really started to tilt away from, if you will, the gambling joint to a luxury hotel. And that was, you're, you're absolutely right. And- the, the needle started to move in another direction because in terms of revenue, yeah, all of a sudden, the needle started to tipping more towards entertainment and, and food and wine as opposed to casino games. That's absolutely right. And that trend continues now. And, and really, we look at Aria or Bellagio as a hotel experience that happens to have a casino as an amenity just like it has a spa or fine dining or a retail outlet. Gambling is no longer, if you will, the leading edge or reason why people come they come for a full integrated experience right and i remember this is not going to come as any surprise to you because you've been there long enough to see the changes nobody was doing anything for hotel rooms there they didn't want you in the rooms that's right they basically said you check in right i mean and get out of the room and we want you on the floor correct with dollars in your hand <laughs> on the green felt that's table so true that that's right and again that has since changed i mean that's why the the hotel rooms are now luxurious, um, and the overall experience is is that of, of diversity versus just simply a gambling place. And then there's the room inventory. The, the, the little-known factor of, of Las Vegas hotels yeah. for years was that the best rooms, the most luxurious rooms, were not controlled by the hotel general manager. They were controlled by the casino. That is true, too. We're talking about the rooms because I went from a room experience, a traditional room experience in Las Vegas, which is, you know, the the bed and the dresser were bolted to the wall. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Oh, my God. Um, And nothing special about the room. In fact, they didn't want you in the room, right? That's right. To now, you can't wait to stay in the room. That's right. 
I mean, your room, your sky suites are, are outrageous. Oh, I mean, um, no, but they are. Thank you. Thank I mean, you. and it's one of those things where I don't leave the room anymore. I mean, you probably want me to leave the room, but no. I, I, I have too much fun in there. Sure, that's I, right. But you designed them, I mean, not just for the whales, right? Right. I mean, that's the old tradition of you got to get the whales in and comp them everything, and then hopefully they'll drop $3 million at the table. Yep. This time, you dropped $3 million on the room. That's right. And and it's funny you say whales and not whales, and uh, Sky Suites was really designed for the, for the discerning customer, regardless of whether they are a whale or not. And, and frankly, we view everyone who comes through that door as our customer, as if they're coming to our home, um, whether they're a gambling customer or not. And, and, and that's how we welcome people. Now, when you think of a five-star designation, I'll be devil's advocate here for a yeah. second. The last place I'd think of is a Las Vegas hotel. Yeah, but that's since changed now, Peter. That's uh, If you think about it, Las Vegas is still one of the more popular destinations, as you know, Absolutely. To, to come. And, and people the discerning clients want that they wanted a a luxury product a five-star hotel and and that's exactly what we're able to do and, it, and it, it's interesting words that come to mind like sincerity and genuineness and thoughtfulness and real that's what we do that's what we offer like i said it's as if you're coming to our home and people like that's what people are searching for that's the complete oh that's the complete experience well let's be real here about what you've done with the sky suites you've got a separate entrance we do meaning that you're not walking necessarily through the casino to get to your room that's right the old days you couldn't get to your that's room right without going to the casino right right smack in the I middle mean, even if you didn't want to play you were going to play because you that's had to, right. the long march. Ah, that's right. It was the long march. Now you have a separate entrance, separate gate, yep. separate doorway, and you, you're right up to the room. That's right. And everyone arrives via limousine from the airport, and we meet you on the curb. We know your name. And it's uh, people become part of the Aria family. We have an 80% return rate now. Whoa. Um, and that's simply because we created what we call a culture of excellence. And that's our minimum standard, and we don't, we don't apologize for that. Having said that, people often say, well, that sounds somewhat pretentious. And no, we have a culture of excellence where where we want employees to smile and laugh and be themselves and branch out to their own. Um, and you can do it in both environments. You can have excellence as yeah. the minimum standard, and you can have people being themselves, and, and we've been able to create that culture. And we have found that our customers have really gravitated to that. But when you think about it, you've been back, what, for 30 years? Yeah. You've gone from casino operators that ran a hotel to hoteliers where there happens to be a casino. That's right. And that's, and that's exactly where we are now. And, uh, yes, the casino is an amenity among many other things. And, uh, yes, we're hoteliers. We're, we're innkeepers. And we create a culture where customers come and feel comfortable. Okay, so here's the great question. Knowing what the metrics are yeah. to get a five-star designation sure. or for the AAA of Five Diamond. Sure. What did you have to do? You know, it's an interesting question, and I talk about that all the time, and people are constantly ask me, well, do you have to add this amenity or that amenity or this marble and that marble? And the answer is no. The answer is simply we, we hire, train the right people who want to buy into this mission, who want to buy into being part of something incredible. Well, no amount of technology or design is going to take the place of bad service. No, that's right. And even with our technology, we always view technology to enhance the service, not technology for the sake of technology. Um, yeah, we, by the way, my biggest pet peeve is when a hotel, whatever hotel it is, yeah. they want to tell you like, the, the new cutting-edge hotel, and it ta you have to go through a seven-hour tutorial <laughs> to use the, the remote control. That's right. Or to set the thermostat. And that, that doesn't I want that you to know, when I, you. When I built my house years ago, my contractor came to me and said, we got the best HVAC, we got heat, we got everything, and it's got this dial and this dial, and, this, 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 and you can do it from your car. And I said, here's what I want you to do. And he looked at me like I was crazy. He said, I want you to go to a hardware resale store and get the old Honeywell wheel. <laughs> yeah. On, off. Right. That's all I want. Correct. And he went, really? I said, trust me, it works. <laughs> That's right. right. That's exactly right. And you just want things to be easy yeah. for people and not frustrating for people. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fine line, too. Um, to be able to combine technology with simplicity. Well, it's the age-old argument between high-tech and high-touch. Correct. Right. That's right. And What's the one thing you want to improve? Um, I would tell you we want to be... We are very consistent all of the time, um, but you want to be consistent day in and day out, completely 
all of the time, I would tell you. Um, I think we can... But that's, but that's sort of like redundant, consistent all the time. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, I guess I would tell you we're also looking to, to different, uh, different potential, uh, different avenues and venues to bring in. And, and you're always looking to improve our, our... We're always looking to improve what we do with new ways of doing it. And of course, in terms of guest recognition, you want to make sure that if you put this soap in the bathroom for the person the last time yep. and they liked it, you'll make sure that that soap comes 100%. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.